0: in our series, book it, and we're looking at scripture and we've already looked at, is the Bible, uh, true or is it divine? Is it true? Is it clear? And today we're going to look at our fourth and next to last question. So next week will be our final, our final, uh, question in this series. But tonight we're going to look about, look at the question, is the Bible sufficient? Okay. And, This is a really weird question. I get that. Like that's sufficient is a word we use frequently, but it's not one that we really talk about and explain a whole lot. So I think this is the and I said this is possibly the most under attack question that we're going to talk about in this series. And I'll tell you why I think that is, is because not only is this question under attack by non-Christians, but this idea of the sufficiency of Scripture is also under attack by Christians. There are a lot of Christians who, whether they will verbally say it or not, their actions and their, their mindset show that they do not believe that the Bible is sufficient. And we'll talk about how they do that in a second. But before we, we look to answer this question, we need to really understand what it means that the Bible is sufficient. Like, that can mean a, a few different things. And... Um, Sufficient is really just a big word. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to look up the the dictionary definition of sufficient. Literally, it was a one word definition. So I was like, okay, that didn't help me a whole lot. But the one word definition was enough. And I think about like this word enough. And that's a really powerful word. We, we, We say that, we'll use that word a lot. But I don't think we understand the gravity of the word enough. Like it means that you are like maxed out at your most or you are as full as you can get. Like you've, you've had as much as you can take. You're, you're as full as you can get. You're as good as you can be. You're as bad as you can be. It means the extreme, right? Enough means like the limit. And so when we look at this idea of the Bible being sufficient and the word being enough, like so we could translate and say the, the Bible is enough. So is the Bible enough for us as Christians? And when I looked at our survey that we took, we really had two questions that looked at this idea of the sufficiency of Scripture. And one score was really kind of in the middle of all the yeses and not sure. And then the other one was one of the lowest yes totals. The first one that was kind of in the middle was the Bible is the only book we need to fully understand God. 13 yeses, 3 no's, and 1 not sure. And then the second question was the Bible contains everything a person needs to know to live a meaningful life. And there were 11 yeses, 2 no's, and 4 not sure. And so tonight when we're looking at this, I'm really wanting those people who were in here who, who are thinking... Maybe not sure about the Bible is everything or is enough, has enough stuff in it for a person to live a meaningful life. And, and I say this is the most under attack question, not because it's what people argue about the most. Like you don't hear people arguing about the sufficiency of scripture. Like I, we just don't hear that argument a whole lot. But... Like I said, it's, it's the most discredited idea of Scripture by people's actions. The fact that you can go to a bookstore, Barnes & Noble, there's one called Books a Million in Tulsa. I don't know. I'm not a reader, so I don't like bookstores that much. But you can go to these bookstores, and there's sections called Christian Living, okay, If you're ever in a bookstore, go look for the Christian living section. And it's usually, I mean, it's not the biggest section in the bookstore, but it's like multiple shelves of all these books by pastors and Christian authors and everything about how to live a Christian life. And I think that this shows the fact that we have these sections of this and these are like bestsellers to Christians and everything shows the fact that many Christians feel that we need something other than the Bible To help us understand our purpose in life. Like why else would we go to a bookstore looking for a book on how to live a Christian life. If we had one with our Bible. Like if we could just sit at home and read scripture. Why would we go to a bookstore and buy whatever book about living a Christian life. Now I'm not saying that all these books are bad. In fact I have a bunch of them in my office. Okay so I'm not saying that they're bad. But we have to realize That these books are not true words of God, right? They are supplemental things. Or maybe they apply principles from Scripture. We'll talk about what that means in just a little bit. So so don't don't make the mistake tonight of me saying that we shouldn't read Christian books because it's not the Bible. That's not what I'm saying. But the fact that we feel like we need to go out and we need to read other resources... To understand how to serve God shows with our actions in our lives that we don't think that the Bible is enough. Guys, all we need is scripture. That is enough for us to understand and follow God in living a life devoted to serving him. If you're someone who is constantly looking for more from God, like if if your prayers look like, god i need you to show me this so that i know that you are real god i need you to do this for me so that i know that you love me god i need you to whatever like if you're constantly needing more from god then i would argue that you don't believe in the sufficiency of scripture The Bible contains all we need in order to know and walk with God. If you look at Deuteronomy 4 and Deuteronomy 12, we see these phrases in there about the words of God. Do not add to the word as I have commanded you. This literally is saying that if that scripture is enough, don't add to it because it's it's already as good as it needs to be. And you can think of this as like a cup like a solo cup or whatever, like being filled with the knowledge of God and his will for your life. And if you told someone not to add to the cup, what would that mean? There's enough in it already, right? If you were filling up a cup with water and you said, that's enough, that means you don't don't need any more water, right? Either the cup can't take it or you've got what you need. The word of God is enough. We don't have to add to it. We, we really see this play out in three ways. I'm sorry, two ways. I, I kind of changed one to mix in with another one. So we see this in two ways. So we see it first through the fact that the Bible is sufficient for our salvation. In Ephesians 2, we read these words. And this is one of the most potent scriptures talking about... The grace of God and salvation. Ephesians 2 verses 4, 5, and then 8 and 9 says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Skipping down to verse 8, it says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. People always use that to show that that salvation is not something that we can earn by our actions, it's something that's given from God. But what we're looking at here is this idea that salvation is something that you've been saved by grace through faith. Okay, And then if you turn to Romans 10, 17, it says, so faith comes from hearing, and hearing... Through the word of Christ. So literally we are saved by the grace of God. Through faith in God. That comes from hearing the words of God. Do we see how that worked right there? Grace comes through faith. And faith comes from hearing the word of God. So literally the Bible tells us. If we are to believe our first three questions that we looked at, that the Bible is divine, the Bible is true, and the Bible is clear, then we can read the Bible and we can understand that the Bible is enough to teach us about salvation. We can understand that salvation is a gift from God and the Bible lays that out very clearly. So the Bible is sufficient. It is enough for you to be saved. You can read the Bible with no other, anything else about church or other books or anything. You can read the Bible alone and you can experience salvation. It is sufficient. Second, the Bible is sufficient for sanctification. Okay, big word alert, right? Sanctification is basically just a very churchy word For the process of becoming like Christ. Okay, So when you hear sanctification, it literally means the process of becoming like Christ. So the Bible is sufficient for us to experience salvation, but it is also sufficient for us to learn to be like Christ. (laughs) Let me explain this to you for a second. The purpose of the Bible is not to answer all of humanity's questions. That's like a radical statement right there, because most of you probably would have said yes if I would have asked you, is that what the Bible does? The purpose of the Bible is not to answer all of humanity's questions. It's also not purpose to give us direction in every situation we face. Again, radical statements coming out up here. Because I can think of a question and I can think of a situation that the Bible doesn't explicitly answer. I could think, I took calculus like in college and stuff. So I could think of like a calculus problem and the Bible doesn't tell me how to solve this calculus problem. So it doesn't give us answers to all the world's problems. So there are problems in the world that the Bible is not sufficient for. Do we see that? So so the Bible is not designed to just answer all your questions you have. And in the other case, it's not designed to give you directions in every situation. Guys, there are situations that happen in life that the Bible doesn't explicitly talk about how you should handle. Now, we talked about this idea that the Bible gives us principles. It gives us things that we can understand and we can apply to situations and figure out how we should handle them. Right. And that's where those books come in that we were talking about. If you find a, a good book is one that takes principles from scripture and applies them to everyday life situations. But I think many, of, many people view the Bible for these two purposes and it leaves them needing more. right? Because if you're like, oh my gosh, the Bible doesn't answer this question in my life. It's not sufficient. I need something else that answers that question for me. So when you look at it through those lenses, that the Bible is designed to just answer your questions and that the Bible is designed to give you direction in any situation, you're going to be left thinking the Bible is not sufficient. And that's why people believe and will say that the Bible is not sufficient. But guys, that's that's not the purpose of the Bible. The purpose of the Bible is to conform us to the image of Christ. Let me prove this to you real quick, okay? I I can prove to you that the Bible is all about focusing on becoming the image of Christ. When God made humanity, he made it perfect, right? He says, I made man and woman in what? His image. And he said he saw that it was good. So he knew that he made people, he made humanity in his image, and they were perfect, And then we have the fall of man, okay? We're not going to get into that whole story right now, but we all know that story, right? Eve eats apple, gives it to Adam, who was probably there with her, so it's not all the woman's fault, okay? Um, But they both eat of the fruit of the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they are separated from God. All of a sudden, this, this image of God, they were made perfect, just like God is perfect. So this image of God that was on them was stripped away. And what do we see happen in Genesis 3? It sounds like God's punishing them because he blocks them from getting to the tree of life. And if you don't understand what the tree of life is, it's what gives you everlasting life. Okay, Like it was the tree in the garden that they would eat of so that they would live forever. And so it sounds like God's punishing them by saying you're no longer allowed to be in the garden and eat the fruit of this tree. But in reality, God is is protecting them from themselves because if they were to live... Eternally, here on earth, they would live in an eternal state of separation from God. Do you understand that? Like, we are not reunited with God until we are in heaven. And so if we were to live on this earth, earth forever, they would live in a constant state of separation from God. And so God was protecting them from that temptation by blocking them from the tree of life. And so in Genesis 3, we see that humanity is blocked by, by a cherubim angel with flaming swords from the tree of life. Okay? And the only way for them to regain access to the tree of life would be for them to be conformed back into the image of God. Because if they were back in the image of God, then they could go back and eat of the tree because they would be in union with God again. And so the whole Bible from Genesis 3 on <clears throat> is a story of how she, of how. Humanity can try to change or conform itself back into the image of God until the final chapter of the Bible. Revelations 22, we see the tree of life mentioned again, but this time humanity has regained access to it, meaning that God provided humanity a way to get back to his image. And that is none other than the Bible and the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible is a story. I told you guys last week that the Bible is one unified story pointing to the gospel of Jesus Christ. His death and resurrection for your sins. So that you can experience salvation. So that you can spend your life devoted to serving him. Devoted to reading his word and understanding it. So that you are sanctified. That you may become the image of of God. The entire purpose of the Bible is not to answer all your questions, it's to provide you the answer to the only question that matters, and that is how do a I as a fallen human conform my life back into something that is the image of God? And that's exactly what the Bible does. It leads us to the heart of Christ. I have a really cool picture that I made, and I forgot to put it in the computer. I may try to pull it up on my tablet after this, but it's it's basically a a heart in a circle, in a circle, in a circle. It looks kind of like a target, but I made it look like all colorsy. Dr. Seuss in the house this week and everything, but whatever. But what the Bible does is it starts. It leads us to the heart of Christ, which is salvation. And then the next circle out is the mind of Christ. Meaning that, that we think like Jesus thinks. We are aligned in mind with him. and if you, it, this, We see this in Romans 12.1 where it says, Do not be conformed to the world, but, by, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. It means that when you experience salvation, you are transformed to where you should think differently. You shouldn't think like the world does. You should start thinking like Jesus does. And once you reach this stage, then you can move on to the next circle, which is the will of Christ. So we have the heart of Christ, the mind of Christ, and then the will of Christ. And we see in John 15, it says, whoever abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, he will be nothing. Guys, we have to be one with Christ and we have to understand his will for our life. And that, that his plan is good enough for us. That his plan is perfect And it is what we are designed to do. So once we reach the heart of God, which is salvation, we can start to focus on having the mind of God, which means thinking like him. Which means that then we can move to the will of God, which means we want what God wants and not what we want anymore. And then finally, the last circle is the body of Christ. And this is kind of a graphic image here real quick. But Paul is talking to the church. uh, He's talking to the, the Galatian church. And he he is talking about how he has been discipling them and he wants to see them grow up in this process of sanctification. And he says in Galatians 4 13, I will be in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, meaning that he is going to continue to push and continue to try to disciple them and help them to be sanctified. And it's going to be like he is in childbirth, which I've been around when my wife was in childbirth. Sounded awful. Okay. Um, And I to be in childbirth meaning you are struggling you're in pain you're you're striving like it breaks my heart whenever i see you guys the people that i pour my life into and i try to disciple when i see you guys struggle when i see you guys fall it breaks my heart right and so i'm i'm literally in anguish and pain as i'm trying to disciple you guys through this process of sanctification so you can become more like Christ and the bible lays out a path and it perfectly succeeds in this perfect In this purpose to save us from our sins and to sanctify us so that we can spend eternity with Christ Jesus in heaven and partake of the tree of life. So how does the Bible accomplish this? How how do we look at the Bible and say, this is how the Bible conforms us. And we look at 2 Timothy 3.16. Very famous scripture here. It says, all scripture is God breathed. And then it says... It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Literally, the Bible can be used to teach us, to rebuke us or correct us, to uh, where did I go? to train us, in righteousness so that we can be prepared to be like Christ and to, to go through those circles. I'll show you the circles in just a second. I had a cool name and everything. It was the circles of sanctification it sounded really cool, but the Bible is designed to be used in our lives to help us to become more like Christ. And I hear people all the time asking, what is God's will for my life? Or I'm not sure if God has a will for my life. It just may not be there. Guys, the will for your life, God's will for your life is not lost. You don't have to find it. Like I always hear teens talking about, I need to find God's plan for my life. Guys, it's right here. Read your Bibles. God's will, God's plan for your life is in here. It gives you everything you need to know to live a Christian life right here. <clears throat> I think about like, I heard someone explain it like this, and I think this is a perfect analogy. If you're walking through a forest that's got a path through it, okay? Like I picture like Little Red Riding Hood or something, you know? like there's this big forest and there's like one path that runs through the middle of it. The only time you would begin to ask where the path is, is if you weren't walking on the path. Does that make sense? If you're doing the things that Christ has called you to do, you don't need to be asking where the path is. God's will for your life is not some big secret. It's right here in the word of God. And if you're doing the things that he's called you to do and and believing the things that he has called you to believe and doing the things he's called you to do through the process he's called you to do it in. Then you won't be sitting around wondering what the will of God's life is. You'll know because you'll be on that path. God's word provides everything you need to experience salvation and to be conformed back into his image. And that's how a life, how to live a life aligned with God's will. And when you're doing that, then you just have to sit there and you have to agree And say, you know what? The Bible is enough. It is sufficient for me as a Christian. Because it gives me everything I need to live a life devoted to serving God. We have one more lesson in this series. And it's, is the Bible good? And that sounds really weird. But we're going to talk about. Is the Bible something that is worth devoting your life to and potentially giving your life for? That's what we're going to look at next week. I'm going to pray for you guys, and then I have just a couple announcements, so stay seated. God, thank you so much for tonight. I thank you again for your word. God, we praise you for being someone who gives us everything we need to live a life devoted to you. It's not easy, God. It's not always perfect. It's confusing a lot of the times, but we have the book That is the plan that you have laid out for us. And I pray that you would just give us a heart to to read it, to study it, to understand it. That we would be people committed to your word and that we would use it to reach those who are not committed to your word. That we could show them that the Bible is sufficient for salvation. We could lead them to faith in you and that ultimately we would lead them through the process of sanctification themselves. So that they could replicate and reach someone else who needs to know about the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that you would give us a burden for those lost people, that the students in our schools, our friends, that the, the people that we are around every day, that we would see them and we wouldn't just think, oh, they're a lost cause. That we would see them and we would think, that's someone I need to invite to hear the gospel. That you would help us to focus on who we need to reach, who you have called us to reach, that that is your will for us and that is your plan for us, is to make disciples. And that starts right here in our own communities, God. God, we praise you. We love you for who you are, that you sent your son to die for us, that we can have salvation through him. We pray all this in his precious name. Amen.